When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Former President Trump attended CPAC over the weekend and told reporters he would not drop out of the 2024 election if he's indicted on criminal charges. You know... We compare him to a mobster all the time, but now he's literally saying, no problem, I could still run things from the joint. From 30 Rockefeller Plaza in New York City, please enjoy this podcast edition of Late Night with Seth Meyers. On today's show, Seth talks to actor and comedian Diane Morgan. Plus, Diane continues the chat backstage exclusively for this podcast. But first, a closer look. Prominent Republicans, including Donald Trump, gathered for the annual conservative political action conference over the weekend, where speakers like Don Jr., Mike Lindell, and Nikki Haley were greeted by the embarrassing spectacle of half-empty rooms while they ranted about the usual conspiracy theories and culture war nonsense. But there was one major Republican politician who wasn't in attendance. For more on this, it's time for a closer look. There is, of course, one name looming over all of Republican politics right now, and that's Ron DeSantis, the Florida governor, who's expected to launch his 2024 bid soon. Now, DeSantis' main focus as governor has been using the power of the government to fight so-called wokeism, which, as far as I can tell, he can't even define. It just seems to mean anything that's bothering conservatives and wealthy old comedians. It's basically (laughs) just a collection of petty grievances about meaningless culture war issues like gender-neutral potato head dolls or... M&M's not wearing sexy clothes anymore. A thing they, on purpose, say out loud all the time. If you accidentally said you thought the green M&M was hot in fourth grade, you'd be teased about it until you graduated high school. Oh, don't open those around Ronnie or else he's gonna melt in his pants. If Republicans win it all in 2024, I'm sure their first act right out of the gate will be a law requiring the green M&M to wear full BDSM gear. It kind of worked on me. <laughs> DeSantis chose to skip the conservative political action conference and give a speech at the Ronald Reagan Library over the weekend where he once again complained about wokeism. I think these liberal states have gotten it wrong. And why are they getting it wrong? Uh, I think it all goes back to ideology. I think it goes back to this woke mind virus that's infected 
the left and all these other institutions. What the hell is the woke mind virus? <laughs> they should add a Ron DeSantis character to The Last of Us who's always focused on the wrong thing. That goddamn virus turned my whole family into mushroom monsters. It could be worse. They could have turned into drag queens. Hey, <laughs> hey, Ron, could you shut the f up? <laughs> also, you think the left, you think the left has a mind virus? Let me ask, let me ask you, which of these sounds more like a mind virus to you? The side that wants to teach accurate history, provide gender-affirming charity to children, protect people from gun violence and safeguard reproductive rights, or the side that whines about not wanting to bang M&Ms anymore, bans <laughs> books from middle school libraries, and watches Fox News all day getting angry about gas stoves and Lego sets. Lego is going woke. The company unveiling a range of new characters in the effort to be more inclusive. Lego says the new characters will promote diversity and understanding. Dear God, a children's toy. <laughs> Promoting diversity and understanding. What's next? Dogs that work as a team? <laughs> to rescue people? Also, the only problem anyone should ever have with Lego is how mad they get when you say the plural of Lego is Legos. A mistake I have made multiple times. Let me tell you, those people are maniacs. They get so mad. Last time I said it wrong, I woke up to find a Lego horse head in my bed. <laughs> That wasn't the bad part, then it fell on the floor and I stepped on it. <laughs> the point is DeSantis knows that the modern GOP doesn't actually care about using government to help people, it only cares about the culture wars, so he's weaponizing government to use it as a tool in those culture wars. He's been engaged in a spree of censorship laws that ban content conservatives don't like, all the way from elementary school to college, and now Republicans in the Florida State Legislature have introduced a bill that would require bloggers who write about Governor Ron DeSantis, his cabinet, or state legislatures to register with the state. So now, they're going after bloggers? Why? Did DeSantis get mad when fashion bloggers made fun of the photo of him in his fancy white boots? <laughs> That's a real picture, for some reason. DeSantis decided to try out some 60s go-go boots. <laughs> Looks like an Austin Powers fembot. By the way, <laughs> bloggers sound like what those boots are called. <laughs> I'm gonna put on my bloggers and see if I can spear a few swamp clams. <laughs> Maybe it's not the boots. Maybe DeSantis is just mad because bloggers are writing about all the different nicknames Donald Trump has been workshopping for him. Right now, Trump seems to be sticking with Ron the Sanctimonious, which hasn't exactly lit the world on fire, but his allies have said in private that he's been tinkering with some alternatives. You may have already heard that sometimes Trump reportedly refers to him in private as Meatball Ron, which <laughs> personally I think is the best option so far. I mean, why keep digging when you strike gold? I can't believe I'm saying this is Donald Trump of all people, but don't overthink it. <laughs> Meatball Ron sounds like a villain on Veggie Tales or a Carnegie Deli sandwich named after Ron Perlman, but <laughs> Trump is still tinkering. Apparently he's mulling some other options. Some of the new ideas that former presidents entertain, Ron Dishonest, Ron Establishment, or even Tiny D. Well, <laughs> Ron Dishonest and Ron Establishment, thanks for playing, but I think we have our <laughs> winner. Tiny D. The first time Trump calls him that to his face, DeSantis is gonna spontaneously combust and leave nothing behind but a pair of empty white boots. <laughs> tiny, tiny D. I bet when Trump finally comes up with the right nickname for someone, white smoke comes out of the Mar-a-Lago chimney like when they elect a new pope. He's a Donald, a Donald has come up with a nickname, let's celebrate by eating a meatball on.
So how can you argue with Tiny D? It sounds like something DeSantis should have on a gold chain around his neck, like a failed, <laughs> failed rat. He can call his debut album Woke Mind Virus. <laughs> now, as we mentioned earlier, DeSantis is the name looming over conservative politics right now, which is why it was notable that he skipped the conservative political action conference. In return, Trump took a thinly veiled shot at DeSantis on his fake Twitter site, writing that the only reason certain candidates won't be going to CPAC is because the crowds have no interest in anything they have to say. They've heard it all before, and they don't want to hear it again. But my speech on Saturday night is already a sold-out monster. They are trying to expand the room in space. Now, a charitable interpretation for expand the room in space is Trump means they might need a bigger room or a second room for overfill. But again, this is a man who tried to buy Greenland, so he might very well think they were literally considering construction to make the room bigger somehow. Just push the walls out. Yeah, we can't do that, sir, because the, there are rooms on the other side of the walls. Won't matter, just keep pushing. If we, if we do that, the other rooms will be too small to fit anything. I know something that can fit in a little room. Tiny D. Oh, is someone, is someone cooking meatballs? Maybe Trump's crowd was bigger, but sadly, you couldn't say that for every CPAC speaker, many of whom spoke to embarrassingly small audiences, even including supposedly big GOP names like Nikki Haley, Don Jr., and Kimberly Guilfoyle. I'm running for president to renew an America that's strong and proud, not weak and woke. in this room have one message to Joe Biden. It is time to put America first. Is it unreasonable for me to expect as a citizen of the United States of America to have a United States Senator? Whoa, that looks less like an audience and more like the tour group at a spoon museum on a Tuesday morning. <laughs> I've seen middle school dance recitals with a bigger audience. He looks like he's doing an off-Broadway one-man show called The Real Cocaine Bear. Hey, could somebody tell C-SPAN to stop cutting to the audience? <laughs> the point is, CPAC was a window into the unhinged nature of the modern conservative worldview. They're all in a little echo chamber, screaming to half-empty conference rooms about made-up bull****. Most normal people don't care about. In fact, to show you how disconnected they are from the average American voter, they actually invited the pillow guy, Mike Lindell, to speak on stage about his repeatedly debunked election lies. Thank you, everybody. Uh, what do you think I'm going to talk about? <laughs> we need to melt down the machines and turn them into prison bars. I got teams of people in every state. In fact, I'm going to announce in a minute this, this new thing I have. It's called the Election Crime Bureau. We don't want to use these machines. We want paper ballots hand counted. I've talked to Germany and France and the UK and Netherlands where they use hand counted paper ballots. Germany, France, UK. All right, I think I know what happened here. Some teenagers have been prank calling Mike Lindell pretending to be different countries. <laughs> Hello, uh, this is uh, France. Uh, we are trying to find L'Homme de Pillow, Mike Lindell. Thank you so much for reaching out. I have a ton of questions. First of all, how do you say election in French? Election. Oh, good. So French is the same as English. <laughs> I 
And then, of course, there was Donald Trump who did his usual shtick, rambling incoherently. Like when he talked about the hypothetical scenario of Russia bombing NATO or something. NATO wouldn't even exist if I didn't get them to pay up. But they paid up $449 billion or something. And that's the money they use. They're rich as hell right now. They spent an office building that cost $3 billion. It's like a skyscraper in Manhattan laid on its side. It's one of the longest buildings I've ever seen. And I said, you should have, instead of spending $3 billion, you should have spent $500 million building the greatest bunker you've ever seen. Because Russia didn't, wouldn't even need an airplane attack. One tank, one shot through that beautiful glass building and it's gone. Same architect I used in Chicago, great architects, but they didn't have war in mind. But when things happened, that building would be gone in about 15 minutes. They should have spent the 500 Million dollar bunker, nice thick ceiling, six inches, six feet of concrete. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> sure, but it's the left that has a mind virus. This, this is like watching an HGTV home makeover show where the host has a massive head wound. Okay, I like the subway tile you have here in the kitchen, but I'm thinking instead of a breakfast nook, what you could really use here is a steel reinforced concrete bunker in case Russia. <laughs> decides to nuke your house. Also, barn doors are so 2009. <laughs> as adult as Trump was when he was in office, he's even more scatterbrained now. That's what you get when you move to a golf resort in Florida where the sun fries your brain and you're surrounded by other old weirdos or wait staff who are required to tell you all your ideas are awesome. So that's why NATO should build a beautiful bunker using the same architects I used in Chicago in case Russia decides to bomb them with a tank. What do you think? That sounds great, Mr. Trump. Now, would you like ketchup with your omelet? <laughs> you know, I'm trying to cut down on my cholesterol, so skip the omelet and just give me a big old plate of ketchup. <laughs> but at some point, Trump got to what I assume was supposed to be the central premise of his 2024 campaign with this startling line about how he could finally complete the assault on democracy he began in 2020. And if you put me back in the White House, their reign is over. Their reign will be over. And they know it. And America will be a free nation once again. We're not a free nation right now. We don't have free press. We don't have free anything. In 2016, I declared, I am your voice. Today, I add, I am your warrior. I am your justice. And for those who have been wronged and betrayed, I am your retribution. I am your retribution. <laughs> he was such a terrible president, and now he's auditioning to be Batman. But... <laughs> Problem, problem is he would never respond to the bat signal because there's no way he's ever just looking pensively out the window. You'd have to text it to him or just shine it on Sean Hannity's forehead. Oh, you know what you can do? You can project it on a solar eclipse. He looks at those. Also, that line is so much less dramatic when Trump says it in that soft, sing-songy voice he uses. Like, when Batman says stuff like that, at least he growls. Trump sounds like he's humming a song he heard on the radio. I, I am your warrior. I am... I am your retribution. You can count on me. My name's Tiny D. <laughs> Even though DeSantis wasn't a CPAC, he made it clear that his priorities are very much the same. The modern conservative movement doesn't have answers to the very real problems facing Americans today. So instead, they want to use government to fix all the petty little cultural grievances they have. CPAC offered a revealing and embarrassing glimpse into the unhinged modern GOP. They have two terrible choices. A big D that tanked the party in three straight elections, or a tiny D that's no bigger than... Six inches. Than <laughs> a closer look.
If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Talented actress and comedian you know from shows like Afterlife and Motherland. Her very funny show, Kunk on Earth, is streaming now on Netflix. Please welcome to the show, Diane Morgan, everybody. Me. I'm really thrilled to have you. I keep saying everybody has been talking about Kunk for the last month to me. And it's, I love, I mean, the name Philomena Kunk is such a wonderful character name. Yeah. When you first saw it, did you know, oh, that's really good? Uh, yeah, I thought that's weird. Yeah. And, um, well, it turns out that they wanted like a posh character. And I'm not posh. <laughs> and uh, so I, I went into the audition for Philomena, did my best posh. And, uh, but I knew that it would be just better in my own accent because it's so flat <laughs> and depressing. Yeah. It just adds something. Well, it is the, the most wonderful thing is you have this character who is telling us about history and just seems not only disinterested, deeply bored by everything. <laughs> and I think that's where the flatness really comes in handy. Absolutely, because I know that everyone watching it is bored by history as well. <laughs> So I know what people want. Yeah. I know. I know when someone's being really boring and dull to move it on. (laughs) Or just yawn in their face. It's true, because when you watch those history shows where the host is really excited about it, it makes you feel bad because you don't share it. This is boring. (laughs) Do you have any personal interest in history yourself? No, I hate it. (laughs) Boring. (laughs) Unless it's something really weird. Okay, so you like weird stuff. Yeah. I like to hear about the Bermuda Triangle, stuff like that. <laughs> okay, gotcha. So that's... I, I realise that's not history. Yeah. But, you know, I like... Just saying, I like weird stuff. <laughs> if it's not weird, I'm not interested. Yeah. So you... Uh, I know you've done a couple series of this. You did uh, Kunk on Britain, and this is Kunk on Earth. And one of the things that's been a through line is you do talk to very informed people, uh, experts, professors... <laughs> And, I mean, it's so wonderful to watch you talk to them because you ask them, let's be honest, very funny, but very dumb questions. Yeah, very deep questions sometimes. One of my favorites from this year is uh, uh, you you believe the the Renaissance, what you, uh, Kunk believes, was thought was a sauce. Renaissance, yeah. Yeah. Now, while you're speaking to this uh, Renaissance expert, how much do they know ahead of time when you shoot those, what they're about to embark upon? They don't know. Well, well, they know that it's a comedy uh-huh. now. The cat's out of the bag now. Right. But they play along. But they don't know what I'm going to ask. Yeah. So they don't know any of the questions. 
and it's nice to sort of back people into a corner (laughs) and watch them struggle. They do a very, they do a very nice job of not breaking because they break. Yeah, and then you, you just, just cut it out. You just edit it out. Yeah. <laughs> now, do you like them? I mean, so you obviously know it's unusable once they break. But do you, as a performer, enjoy the moments that you make these professors and art historians laugh? Yeah, but you think, oh no, we'll have to go back and do it again. <laughs> They, uh, you uh, do a wonderful job. Uh, it feels as though you are, everybody who makes the show is experts in the sort of tropes of these mm. historical reenactment or travel shows. You do a great amount of walking in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of walking and talking. And we were talking backstage. There's a scene in this second episode where, I mean, I think it's about a four minute monologue where you're walking around a castle. Yeah. I'm so impressed by the amount of walking and talking. I do a lot of walking. Yeah. Do you enjoy being out in the woods doing your walking and talking? Uh, Not really. It's very cold. Yeah. But um, it's just one of those tropes that history documentaries always have. They're always walking through the woods (laughs) or just staring off into the middle distance. (laughs) You know. You do a wonderful, as a, as a performer, I'm very taken with how, Kung trips a lot. Um, I just, love a trip. You, I love, I love a, a bit very, of physical comedy. It's a, they're all very, like, li- little that, trips that you try to then play off. Yeah. I'm such a fan of the little trip. Are you? Yeah. I love a trip. Oh, I love a trip. <laughs> Especially from someone who is hosting a, a history show and there's yes. this real gravitas to it. And Fall then a over. little trip. Yeah. 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 Do you know when you've done a good one when you're shooting? And you're like, yeah. perfect, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was one that I rolled down a hill at one point. <laughs> yeah. Which, um, I was at the top of a sand dune, and I thought, I didn't tell anyone I was going to do it. I just thought, this is going to be quite boring, me walking down a sand dune. So I'm just going to fall over. <laughs> no one came to help me. I was rolling. <laughs> just kept rolling, and yeah. they were just filming. <laughs> This is how much you care about your craft. You're willing to take a header. I'm just worried that people are going to be bored, so I think (laughs) I'll fall over. Now, again, because there's such attention to detail, have people, when this first started in the UK, did people think it was a real show? Yes. Okay, so they did. And they still do. They still do. On Twitter, I still get people going, this presenter is terrible. know what she's talking about. She's getting all these facts wrong. The BBC are really dumbing down. <laughs> you know, were you, uh, did you originally think comedy was your path or did you think just acting in general? Did you no, think... I, I, wanted to, I wanted to be a comedy actor from gotcha. age 15. Oh, wonderful. That's what I wanted to do. You know, I, I, I grew up watching like Harold Lloyd and Laurel and Hardy and I was just, you know... Obsessed, that's what I wanted to do. And did you do it at all at university or did you? Uh... I went to drama school. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. And then how were they with, uh, with attempting comedy? Were they all right with it? Well, I went and I, I went to the, um, the head of the school and I said, Look, I'm not interested in Shakespeare, you know. Oh. I only want to do comedy, so just let me do, com- I just want to get better at comedy. And he started giving me like Lady Macbeth <laughs> parts like that. And, but luckily I got big laughs as Lady Macbeth. <laughs> so I was, I was really proud. To this day, they say you were the funniest the Lady Macbeth. The funniest Macbeth. Lady Macbeth, yeah. yeah. And then, did you, is it true that you did stand up for a while? I did it for nearly 10 years. And did you love it? I hated it. <laughs> I hated it. 
to do. Did you do stand-up? I do still a little, Did you yeah. Hate, you still do it? I do, yeah. Do you hate it? I don't hate it, no. Why not? It's awful. <laughs> what did you hate about it? Just going about at night on your own, travelling around late at night. Yeah. Dealing with crowds that, you know, were horrible. <laughs> you could just tell some nights they were just horrible people. And you'd, be like, yeah. you'd have to pander to them and... Yeah. I just, I, I just felt physically sick every time I did it. Do you feel like great relief being past that part of your career? Yes, yeah. absolutely. I mean, you know, fingers crossed. Yeah. Well, I certainly... I might have to go back. Based on what you've said, I, I won't be very excited if I'm in an audience and you walk out. <laughs> Oh, no. And now, is it nice? We were talking about this a little bit backstage, but, you know, this hasn't been on Netflix very long, but here you are in New York City, and are, people are recognizing you from, from Conk. It's amazing. Yeah. People are lovely. They're so enthusiastic. Well, it is, uh, it is a show uh, that deserves all the enthusiasm. It's really wonderful. And thank you so much for being here. I just... Hey, this is Henry from Late Night and Backstage with Diane Morgan, the star of Conk on Earth, which honestly, Diane, I was telling you, is one of the funniest shows I've seen in recent memory. You're it is fantastically kind. funny. And I was wondering, so this is your third time in New York City. How do you think Philomena Conk would understand and appreciate New York? I think she'd love New York. I don't think she'd understand why people call it the Big Orange. <laughs> yeah, she'd really want to get to the bottom of that. Yeah. <laughs> she'd head to NYU, Columbia. And the whole and- steam coming out of the ground. Yeah. I think she'd be confused by that, yeah. as am I. You were as saying, is everyone. Well, you didn't even know. I what, didn't know. We were talking earlier. That's shameful. It is. Honestly, it, it feels like I was... Uh, I think cause maybe because since a little kid, you've seen the steam. Yeah. So you don't, you don't even want, think, what is it? What well, is well, the steam? What Diane's referring to is when you're in... If you don't know, if you're in New York City, there are these orange and white pipes that have this steam coming out of it all over manhattan you were mentioning how wild it was to earlier and i was like oh that's from the subway yeah confidently i told you it's from the subway yeah and then i googled it it's not from the subway there's a system of steam pipes that heat and cool buildings in manhattan and it's from either precipitation getting onto the pipes or cracks in the i wonder how many people knew this well i just feel like such an i was just i don't think anyone knew that well it's on wikipedia so someone the person who knew it no one cares though do they No one cares. But I've also seen it a thousand times and never thought. That's the thing. But to me, you see, it was like when I, I, I mean, when I come to New York, I was saying it reminds me of Ghostbusters. That was probably the first time I saw the steam coming out of the ground. When you. <laughs> I'm obsessed. Yeah. And that, I'm obsessed with it. Were you, was that kind of how you were uh, like sightseeing today around New York? Because you were only here for a few days. Were you like yeah. trying to find the best spots for the steam pipes? Every time I see it, I get a little thrill. <laughs> oh my God, the steam coming out of the ground. I really want Conk just to do, not even New York City, just specifically the steam But you've steam changed pipes. your cabs as well. They changed we ha- the taxi cabs. Oh, ha- oh since years I le- ago. I know that was the last time I came. You still had the whole, the, the old sort of rickety looking. Right. Ones that, that, that look like Al Pacino would drive. <laughs> those are gone. Now they're gone and you've got those big puffy things. The minivan type. The minivan type yeah, the things. The puffy ones. The puffy ones. Because <laughs> we've got the puffy ones in London now. But your puffy ones are great. They're all right. They're, they're, they're really comfortable. They look a little bit like the old ones, but they're just a bit more puffed up. The new buses are very cool. Yeah, they're clean, at least. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were saying to Seth out there that you were surprised at how many times you're getting recognized in New York. Because yeah. the series has only been on a little bit you're in the amazed. States. When you were making this, did you have any expectation that it would go 
global? No, because I've been doing it years. Yeah, you have been, yeah. You were talking and, about uh, 10 years, right? 10 years, I think it is, yeah. And, uh, you know, and it, so it's weird that all of a sudden... Yeah. Because you, you've got it here. Yeah. Um, and you've, you're very kind. It's brilliant. And I will tell anyone who's... You'll watch the show on Netflix. It's five episodes. You tear through it. And then go on YouTube... Yeah, five episodes, then you get your life back. You get your life back, but then there's so much more. That yes. was such a delight that if there's you like it, Christmas, there's Britain, mm, Shakespeare, Shakespeare, vaccines. Yeah, yeah, everything. How do you choose the topics you, Philomena, do? How does, sorry, how does Philomena well, well, choose? Well, Charlie Brooker chooses. Is the executive producer, is she, that right? He, he writes it along with uh, Ben and Jason and Joel, and uh, they choose the, sub, the, the topics. Is it more interesting for you to do a topic that you do know a little bit about or that you know nothing about? I don't know, know about? anything about anything. <laughs> so everything's new and exciting to me. We were also saying earlier that as dumb as Philomena Kunk is and uninterested in history, you do learn a lot, actually, from you the do. show. You do. I do. Isn't Secretly, it, yeah. I learn things. And it's like, oh, my God, I didn't actually know that. Because at school, I was so bored, weren't you? <laughs> didn't, I didn't listen. I was just so bored. Yeah. What was your favorite subject in school when you weren't listening? Oh, art and drama. Yeah, I should have. Yeah. You know, all yeah. the, the all the sort of, is it right-brained? All the right-brained. Yeah. yeah. Well, my left left side of my brain is just withered, I think. <laughs> all the science and the sort of logical. I guess Kunk's maybe is also, but she relies on it for work in an interesting way. Well, I've got people like Carly, my agent will, uh, she's my left brain. You know, she'll get me into cabs. Get me to the right places. Yeah, (laughs) puffed up cabs. A perfect segue is that you have flight back to England and you have to go get into a puffed up cab. Yes, I do. Yeah, to get onto an airplane (laughs) to head back home. Uh, But it was such a pleasure having you here. We are such huge fans of the show. Thank you for having um, me. Uh, We're so excited uh, for more people to see the show. Truly, I love Americans. Oh, thanks. You're all really nice. One of us is great. Yeah, yeah. There's (laughs) there's not one bad apple. Cannot name a single bad one. We all know who the bad apple is. We do. We do. (laughs) We'll save that for next time. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Late Night with Seth Meyers airs weeknights on NBC at 1235, 1135 Central. Original music on the Late Night podcast is by the HE Band. Don't forget to follow the handle Late Night Seth on social media and tell your friends to subscribe to the Late Night podcast wherever they get their podcasts. is over so far you're not losing the only thing you're losing is my patience quickly i see that the queen of the courtroom is back i didn't do anything you wouldn't know the truth if it came up and slapped you in the face i see he's not intimidated by anything i can fix that new cases she wanted to fight me leave her alone okay so um not this is not a so this is a period Classic Judy. Did you sleep with her? Yes, Your Honor. You married his cousin. His brother. That's not him. Yes, ma'am. I would make a beeline for the door. The Emmy Award-winning series returns. How did I know that? I have crystal ball in my head. It's an all-new season. It's streaming. You can say anything. (laughs) Judy Justice. Only on Freebie.